And well, I'm so thankful you're here. You know, I, had a fam- I heard about a family who was having a really rough day. Um, they had a German shepherd, and their German shepherd had caught this rabbit. And, uh, and uh, they rescued the rabbit, and they were really nervous because their neighbors had a pet rabbit, and there was some tension between the neighbors. And so they grabbed the rabbit, and they cleaned it up, and they kind of uh, gave it a little bath. And, and they sneaked back over to their neighbor's house and put it back in the cage. And they sneaked back to their house, and they, they kind of waited. And, and about an hour later, there was a scream from their neighbor's backyard. And they ran out, and they go, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they said, it's our rabbit. We buried it two weeks ago and it's back. And uh, it's quite shocking. Um, you know, um, during, uh, during the time of Jesus, when someone died, they were usually buried within 24 hours. When someone was crucified, it was, um, it was different. They would normally just take the body and throw it into this common pit because crucifixion was this, uh, disgraceful act. And, um, and that probably would have been the case with the body of Jesus if it wasn't for some very clear Old Testament prophecies and uh, two very, very brave men that we're going to look at today. You know, uh, one of the things that is common between our culture and the culture of the first century is you know when something's dead, when someone's dead. It's obvious, and, and um, you know, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 19, and, and if you're a guest today, or if you're watching from our second venue, uh, we're so glad you're here today, and, uh, and I want you to know what we do every week. We, we turn our attention to the Word of God every week, because um, we believe God's Word transforms us. God's Word changes our perspective. And so it's very important for us to understand what it says. And, and, and we have this practice when we, when we look to the Word of God, when we read it together, we join this, this historic practice in the church where we stand in honor of reading God's Word. Now, before we read John chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 38. Uh, I want you to understand what's going on right here. Um, Jesus had just been crucified. He had said those words, it is finished. And the Bible says that he, he, he gave up his spirit. And the Bible tells us what happened in that moment. There was an earthquake. Um, the, the, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. The, the Roman guards that were there witnessing the death of Jesus, one of them said, whoa, this, this really was the Son of God. Um, this was a significant moment. Would you stand with me and let's read John chapter 19, starting in verse 38. And John writes this, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And this is the word of the Lord. 
Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now in this moment, there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. And, and, and you know what he went through. It was, it was, it was crazy what he went through. He, he, was, he was put on this illegal trial. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him ruthlessly. He was forced to carry his cross down the road to Golgotha. He, he then was nailed to it. And as, as he hung on the cross, you know, it was customary for, for the Roman guards to break the legs of the prisoners to, to just cause them to die faster. When they got to Jesus, they thought he was already dead. They, they knew that he was dead, but, but just to be sure, they, they put a spear in his side. And, and so in this moment, there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. Now, I want us to pay attention this morning to, to these two really brave men, that uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. One thing we know about them is that both of these men were secret disciples of Jesus. That is until this moment. Look at verse 38. It says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could take away the body. Now, of, of course, there was reason to fear the Jews, right? Because think about what's going on in this situation. Tensions were incredibly high. I mean, of course, they just killed Jesus. And Pilate was the one that, that made him go to the cross. And Joseph of Arimathea in this moment says, comes, comes out and says, hey, I want his body. So in this moment, he is no longer a secret disciple. Now, we don't know how all this played out. You see these two men, Joseph and, and, and Nicodemus, and, and, and it's interesting right here because we know about these guys. Joseph of Arimathea was this very important leader. Matthew tells us that he was wealthy. He was a wealthy religious leader. Mark says that he was a member of the Sanhedrin council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Um, Mark tells us, or Luke tells us, that he didn't vote with the other Jewish leaders uh, to condemn Jesus to death. Because remember, they got together and said, we're gonna contempt, condemn him to death. But, but Joseph didn't go vote in that vote, according to Luke. And it's interesting that, that even though tensions were so high, and it was very dangerous to come out as a disciple of Jesus. Joseph goes to Pilate and says, I, I want his body. Now, look at verse 39. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds in weight. Now, Nicodemus was also a secret disciple. Now, you remember him, right? Nicodemus, we, we see him three times in the book of John. And it, the first time is in that famous John chapter 3, when, when Nicodemus comes to him at night, and he says, to, says this about Jesus. Listen to what he said. He said, Jesus, you have to be from God because nobody can do what you do unless you're from God. And Jesus says, is basically going, yeah, uh-huh. And then he has that famous conversation with Nicodemus about, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You see, um, Jesus is saying right there to him, Nicodemus, I want you to know that the Savior has come and you've got to be born again. He kind of rebukes him a little bit because Nicodemus is this teacher of the law and he's like, I don't get it. How can I be born again? Do I have to enter again into my mother's womb? And, and Jesus is saying, no, Nicodemus, you need a Savior. 
And then he says, Nicodemus, I've come not as just the Savior, as your Savior. And he uttered those incredible words where he said, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said, Nicodemus, God did not send his son to condemn the world but to forgive so that the world would be saved. So he's saying, Nicodemus, look, I've come as your savior. Now, now at that moment in John 3, Nicodemus doesn't come to trust Christ. He, he, he left thinking, hmm, I gotta think about this. We see him again in John chapter seven when, when Jesus is, is taken by these Roman guards and, and, and these Roman guards come to the Jewish council and say, man, this Jesus, he, he sure is persuasive. He's a really good teacher. And the, the ruling council, Nicodemus is there. They said, look, you're not, a, you're not a, a teacher of the law. You guys don't know. You're just soldiers. Bring him in here. And, and Nicodemus is saying, hey, maybe we should hear him. And they said, Nicodemus, um, you know, Luke, Luke 7, 52, he says, you know a teacher can't come from Galilee. You look into it. And so you know what happened? Nicodemus looked into it. And he said, I'm going to look into seeing if he is the Savior. And you know what happened? Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea both came to see Christ, not only as the Savior, but they came to see him as their Savior. And it's incredible as you see this moment after Jesus dies. This is before the resurrection. Both of these men say, whoa, whoa, I am no longer a secret disciple. I am a follower of Jesus. And it's so cool that they do this. Here's something I want you to grab today. If you have your notes, I want you to pull them out. I want you to follow along in your notes, if you will, because I want you to catch this today, and I want you to see this this morning, that the day of the secret disciple has come to an end. And in this moment, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea says, okay, no longer am I going to be a secret disciple for fear of anything. I, will, I am a follower of Jesus. And I think it's so amazing that they did this. And, and, and you know, they, they are saying, hey, Jesus is my Savior, and these guys were teachers of the law. They knew what the Bible said. They knew what the Old Testament said. And they saw Jesus as the Savior. And they were there. I mean, everybody saw it. They, everybody saw that Jesus, he, he had died. And, and then they saw the earthquake. They saw the, they knew the temple, the curtain had been ripped from top to bottom. And, and they're going, whoa, whoa. There's something different here. I want you to look at verse 42. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was there nearby, they laid Jesus there. They saw him die. Everybody saw him die. But do you know what happened on this day? He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. I mean, it, it proved that God came to earth. And see, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they, they, they came to see Jesus. You are the Savior. You are my Savior. God has come. And I, I can just imagine Nicodemus as he's taken the body of Jesus and he's understanding for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and in this moment, he's going, Lord, I, I'm, I'm telling the world, I believe in you. 
And then you know what happened. Just days later, Jesus conquers the grave. I mean, all these people, um, Joseph and, and Nicodemus, Mary, the disciples, they went to his funeral. It got their attention. And then that would get your attention, right? If you, if you went to someone's funeral and then see them show up. I want you to know something this morning. God is speaking to us today. He's not just proclaiming, look, here is the Savior. I want you to hear this call today. Is Jesus your Savior? See, I believe that God came to earth that God invaded human history and, and he, he, he came for you and for me. Now there's, there's five reasons I believe God came to earth and I wanna, I wanna share them with you. The, the first reason I believe God came to earth is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus claimed to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You know, Jesus told us that. He said the kingdom of heaven is gonna come to earth and I want you to see something that, that Jesus allows us to experience the kingdom of God right here. Now what does that look like? It looks like this, like this week, uh, we have a lady in our church who's really ill and, and the elders of our church gathered together, anointed her with oil and prayed over her, prayed for healing. You know, I believe God heals. And, and see, when we see this take place, that's the kingdom of God at work. There are times that we come into this room and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us. And, and that's the kingdom of God at work. There are times when you get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for this situation. And God moves and God answers prayer. That's the kingdom of God at work. There are times that we don't know what to do. I'm watching a lot of our graduates right now. They're going, where do I go to school? What do I I do? What's the next step in my life? I'm watching God open doors. There are people in our church that have lost their jobs and they're like, Lord, how are you going to provide? Open a door. Show me where you're moving. And I'm watching God provide. That's the kingdom of God at work in this moment. We are praying that there are some in this room, in our second venue, that come to see, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when God moves your heart, that's the kingdom of God at work. And see, Jesus came bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Another reason I believe that Jesus was God is that large numbers of people believed in Jesus all at once in first century Palestine after witnessing his miracles. You see, Nicodemus saw the miracles of Jesus. He said, look, Jesus, you have to be from God. Nobody can do what you do unless you're from God. And, and people saw Jesus walk on water. They heard him teach and they said, man, Jesus, you teach with authority. You teach as someone that, that really knows what you're talking about. They, they watched him turn uh, five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. They watched these miracles of Jesus. And, and in first century Palestine, they said, these miracles are unexplainable. Nature doesn't define it. And we see that. I believe that proves he's God. Another reason I believe that he's God is he convinced the people who were closest to him that he was God. You know, it's amazing that, that the last people on the face of the earth to believe in Jesus was a, was a religious leader, a Jewish leader in first century Palestine. These Jewish leaders, they, they didn't, it was impossible for them to believe that God would become man. But those that studied the scriptures said, whoa, you know, no, the Bible has told us this. The Bible's pointed us to this. 
and those closest to Jesus. Like, like we've been going through the book of James. I hope you join us over the next few months as we go back into the book of James and study what Jesus' brother wrote. And, and the fact that Jesus' own brother came to see him as God is evidence that Jesus was, in fact, the Savior and for James to say, right in his book, James, a fellow, a fellow bond slave of Jesus Christ, his own brother says, Jesus is not just the Savior, he's my Savior. Jesus convinced those closest to him that he was God. I believe that, that also that, that this proves that, that Jesus was God, that after he died, hundreds of people confessed and attested that they saw him alive. After the resurrection, people saw him. Paul said over 500 people saw Jesus after he had died. Now, let me tell you something. That would get your attention. And they were so convinced of Jesus. They, I mean, can you imagine Peter, the moment that, that he saw Jesus after he had denied him, after he had made those incredible mistakes, people saw him alive after he was dead. That's a, that was an incredible moment. And these people were so passionate about it that the fifth reason I believe that, that Jesus was God is that thousands of people believed in him and gave their lives for him. The word spread and it was unstoppable. And I want you to know the word of God is always unstoppable. The presence of God is unstoppable. And I'm so grateful for that. Folks, we know a man who came back from the dead. And because of that, nothing is impossible for us. And this morning, one of the, the, the prayers that we have for, for all of us in this room that we leave not only seeing God as the Savior, but we see him as, you see him as your Savior. You see, the resurrection this day represents the moment that everything changed. Jesus came not only as the Savior, but he came for you. He came because he loves you. Now, now here we are in 2016, and, and this week I, I, re, I read a book called Six Hours, One Friday by a guy named Max, Max Lucado, and it's a great book. You ought to consider it. But, but I want to consider some of the things that he, he wrote. He said, in, because of the resurrection, we, we, we can see that my life has a purpose. And, and I want you to know this. Because of the resurrection, your life has a purpose. You have a purpose in your life. You, you have a reason for being here. And this morning, God, the kingdom of God is at work and God is moving in this place. And I pray that you understand that you have a purpose in life. Look what Ephesians chapter one, verse 19 and 20 says. It says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And I want you to look at what God is saying here in Ephesians. God is saying that as we believe and we trust in him, he gives us the power to handle anything that comes our way. And I want you to know that, that, that God is working in your life. God gives you power. Now, when, you, when I think about Easter Sunday, some of us have come here today because we know Christ as our Savior, and we're like, Jesus, you are my Savior. But, but can I be honest? Some are here out of cultural obligation. 
The reality is there's no power in your life. There, there's, there's, there, there's no, the, 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 the gospel, the message of Christ does not impact your every day. Maybe it's because you don't know Christ as your Savior. You see, when, when the Bible, look back at verse, uh, I'm gonna put up Ephesians 1.19 again. It says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe? You know, I, I'm amazed at, at the power that God gave Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus in that moment. As, as it was fearful, tensions were high, and they said, no, no, I am a follower of Jesus. And I want you to see that God gives you power that those who believe, he gives power to. And you may not have experienced that power at work in your life, that power of strength when you're weak, or, or that, that power of, of the Holy Spirit moving in you. Now see, when the Bible talks about believe, it, it, you've got to understand that, that, that power comes to those who believe, but belief is not just knowledge about the facts of Jesus' life, death, death, and resurrection. Knowledge is not enough, and I want you to see that. There are many people that will come out of cultural obligation and go, okay, yeah, Jesus is Savior. But I want you to see this. Saving faith comes the moment I depend on Jesus to save me personally. And I want to ask you a question, is that your story? Have you depended on Jesus to save you personally? Do you understand the gospel? The gospel begins with you recognizing your sin and your need for a savior. Have you depended on Christ to save you personally? Like Chad said so well that, that, that this, this morning it's a narrow view to recognize that Jesus is the only way. But John 14, 6 says this. He, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This day I want you to understand that the resurrection gives you purpose in your life. And I want you to know Jesus as your Savior. The resurrection not only gives you purpose, but it teaches us this, that, that my failures are not fatal. And aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful that, that because of the resurrection, it tells us that our failures are not, are not fatal? The resurrection changes everything. Because I know people that live stuck in their past. They're ruled by their past. They're, they, they can't get past their past. And I, and I want you to know the, the resurrection delivers us from our past. Uh, so many people are so stuck in their past, they can't see the future. And can I tell you today that, that the resurrection tells us that the failures that we have made are not fatal? Jesus came as your Savior to rescue you from your failures, and I've seen it. I've seen it at work right in front of my eyes. About a year and a half ago, there was a young man that came to my office and he was, he was stuck in drug addiction. And, and he, was, he grew up in our church. I mean, he knew all the Bible answers. He had been, he'd been here a long time. He went to all of our camps. He, he, he grew up as a child in our church. And yet now he's married with a daughter, a beautiful daughter, and, and this drug addiction is just ruling his life. And, and I sat down with him in my office and we're processing this. And I said to him, I said, have you really trusted Christ as your savior? And in that moment, the Lord spoke to him and, and he was like, I've been playing a game my whole life. 
I need Jesus right now. And, and in my office, it was he, 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 he trusted Christ as his Savior. And over the last year and a half, it's been, it's been amazing to watch his life. His, um, his, his wife was there just a few months earlier offering him divorce papers. And, and, it was, and now I've watched the Lord build his marriage. He's built his marriage back. I, now the Lord has called him to a full-time ministry where he's helping young men overcome their drug addiction. And it is amazing what God has done in his life. I have seen the Lord transform people right before my eyes. And I want you to know that because of the resurrection, it tells us, it shows us that our failures are not fatal. I want you to know whatever, whatever your struggle is, whatever your addiction is, whatever, whatever your battle is, do you know that Christ can give you the strength to overcome that? Come to him. Believe in him. Know Christ as your savior. I love 1 John 1, 9. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make his, him a liar and his word is not in us. And I want you to know when you Confess your sins to Christ. He will forgive you. The resurrection tells us that our failures are not fatal. I pray that you see this. Last thing, when you think about the resurrection, you know what else it says? The resurrection tells us that our death is not final. Because of the resurrection, my death's not final. I want you to know something. You're gonna die someday. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that? But, but you know, the reality is we're all gonna walk through that door called death. And on a day like today, we've gotta talk about what's most important. You know, the only way to prepare for that moment is to know Jesus as your Savior. It amazes me to, to meet people that, that understand the reality of their own death but do nothing to prepare for it. And can this, can this morning, can this Easter Sunday be a day that you really prepare for that moment? You know, life is fast. I don't, it doesn't matter if you live 18 years or 80 years. The reality is life goes quick. And we've got to make the most of these days. And that begins with coming to know Christ as your Savior. And I'm amazed at people that say, you know, it's going to be different with me. I'm a good person. I've done more good than bad. It's going to be different for me, but it's not. The resurrection is the only reason that our death is not final. And I want you to see that today. It's like what God says to, in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Jesus came and conquered the grave, proving, helping us see that our death is not final. This morning, 
I pray that you hear this. Today, it's time to stop going through the motions. Today, my prayer is that you can trust Christ alone for your salvation. You can trust him alone. Maybe you're like Joseph and Nicodemus today, and you've been one of these secret disciples for a, for a while. You, you, you've come to see Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you, were, you, you were, um, made some decision as a child, but, 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 but you, you really came to know Christ as your Savior later on. Do you know that you need to be baptized? If that's the case, if that's you, be, you know, next Sunday, we're going to have a baptism service. And, and if you've not been baptized yet, maybe it's time for you to say, look, I'm no longer going to be a secret disciple. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let the world know that I am yours, that you are mine. You know, I, 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 have you done, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? The question for us today I pray that it's clear. It's not, is Christ the Savior? Because he is. Jesus went to the cross. He conquered the grave. He is the Savior. The question that we've got to grab today, is Christ your Savior? Is he your Savior? You know, today I don't want you to leave this room without knowing him as your savior. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something just a little bit different today. Um, we're gonna have an invitation. And all over this room, and, and even in, the, in our second venue, I want you to do this. Um, uh, we're gonna have an invitation and we're gonna do it just a little bit different today. Because this moment is too critical. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes.